Hi, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This week, Associate Pastor Bill Orris preached out of Luke 19, 1-10, and had us continue to look closely at Jesus' ministry. This familiar passage to many tells of Jesus seeking out Zacchaeus, but as we look critically at this passage, we see how even sinners like Zacchaeus have a longing to connect with the authentic Christ. We are indeed all sinners and have a longing to be accepted by God. Remember, you can watch our live stream that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., or you can always find us at hillcrestdecalb.com. Grace and peace. Hi, my name is Bill. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Some of you can relate to me that you grew up and you're an ACOA just like I am. I grew up in a home where my dad was an alcoholic, a very abusive, mean, drunk. And my mother was an enabler. She enabled my dad's drinking habits. She tried her best to bring calmness to our home when there was no calmness at all. My sister and I learned early on, and I learned early on in the late 60s and early 70s what it meant to be a latchkey kid. I had a key to get in the house for my mom and dad were both working and would let myself in the house all by myself and wait till they got home. Learned what the phrase would have meant to be walking on eggshells. You know what that means? Hmm. Trying to calm and act and behave when dad came home, waiting for the explosion at the dinner time table. I learned quickly how to cope, learned coping mechanisms that now some almost 60 years later, finding out that they're not good, healthy coping mechanisms. I learned what it meant to please and to perform, to be accepted. This unhealthy behavior became normal and natural because my worth was based upon what others thought of me. Just recently, my spiritual advisor and director said, well, you know, Bill, you have an addiction too. And he was right. I don't have an addiction to alcohol or drugs. That addiction is longing to see what others feel of me and think of me. Trying to perform, trying to measure up, and realizing, no, I'm okay. Helping me, giving me tools to be self-aware of my actions and my thoughts. Teaching me as I help my patients as we're all on a journey together, my clients to respond, don't react. Because we're all on a journey together. Amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. Today we're going to meet a man who's just like you and I are. Deep down, he was very, very miserable, but yet he was very, very wealthy. He had all these possessions, but bottom line, he was lost and lonely. We're going to look at two people today, two unlikely people 
that came together and the way that they came together was an amazing way to come together. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. You're welcome to join or follow there on your phone and it will also be right here. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give hell half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back them four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Zacchaeus was a very wealthy, very wealthy man. He became wealthy because he was called a, not only a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. It's the only time this term is mentioned in the Old Testament. Tax collectors were men hired by the Roman government to collect taxes from their fellow Jews. He collected taxes in Jericho. Jericho was a major trade route between Jerusalem and all the other cities in Israel. So he was at a great place to collect taxes from not only the people living in Jericho, but all the people coming in and trading. You get it? Hired by the Roman government, you need to give this amount, turn it to me. You with me? How did he become very wealthy and rich? What did he do? Yeah, he cheated them, didn't he? Charged them more. He's Jewish and he's charging his fellow Jews more from the Roman government that's putting all of them under oppression. So he was a, everybody loves Zacchaeus, right? You can imagine, we make fun of IRS agents, right? He's truly one. Right out there, right out front. Very wealthy. Nobody, absolutely nobody liked him. Luke says that he was rich. In the original Greek, he was very rich. But this wealthy government official wanted to see Jesus. Did you see that? He wanted to see who this Jesus of Nazareth was, this teacher that crowds are falling upon him, all around him. He heard, just like most people heard, that he was a miracle worker, and now Jesus is coming to Jericho, so I need to go and see him. And so the problem is there were big crowds to go and see Jesus, but Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus because he was too... Yeah, I'm not going to pick on anybody here. He was a pipsqueak. <laughs> he was a little guy. 
He couldn't see Jesus because the crowds are too big because he was this short. Now, for those of you that grow up in the church, I know you're just dying to do it. Should I let you do it? Because some of us grew up in church. They don't teach this song now. <laughs> but some of you are just like, oh, come on. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man, was he? He climbed up the to see Jesus, who he could see. Now, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your today, for I'm going to your house today. <laughs> yeah, those of you didn't, that's what we used to sing. Now, there's advantages of being tall and short, right? You know? <laughs> no, not Sherry, there isn't, no. Because, <laughs> Sherry, do you have step stools in your house? Yeah, because if he's not around, you have to stand on the step stool, right, to go up and get stuff, right? Well, there is a great advantage of me being tall because I do not like confined spaces. And several years ago, I had a meniscus tear from a referee injury. That's what I have to say there, Joel, right? That's my sport injury, right? Uh, so I had to take an MRI. I do not, those, those, what are those things, you know, you go in. Did not want to go into that MRI, that big tube. Well, there was advantage of being six foot four because half of me st stood out. <laughs> she kept saying, you're not going to be covered, Bill. You're not going to be covered. So Zacchaeus, as a short man, ran ahead. So let me tell you something. Still today, and especially then, Middle Eastern men, most of them do not run. Did you see? He ran ahead. He ran. They're dignified, wealthy men. They're a government official. He has long robes on. He's going to walk. But he ran. Isn't that interesting? He ran. Ran ahead, climbed up this sycamore tree to look down to see Jesus. And did you notice what Jesus said there? Zacchaeus looked up. He called him by name. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry. That's what the word says. It not just says come down. He says, hurry. And come down, for I would like to stay in your house today, or I must. Must. Underline it. It's a strong word in Greek. It's a strong imperative. I must. Not like, I must stay in your house today. Zacchaeus must have been floored. Can you imagine? First of all, he called him by his name. Think about it. We forget that when we hear the story. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, called him by his name. And then secondly, Jesus invited him over for dinner. Himself for dinner. Did you notice that? I'm coming to your house today. It's not in our nature uh, to seek after God. It's not in our nature to seek after God. It's not in our nature to seek after Jesus. It's in his nature to seek after us. The Bible says in Romans 3.11, there's none of us who understands. There's no one who seeks after God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Spiritually speaking, every one of us are little and short, just like Zacchaeus. No one measures up to God's high standards. We're too little. But the problem is, at times, we just think we're not. And those of us that have been around and even have been followers of Jesus, we get stuck 
in this mentality that, well, I'm okay. Come on, let's be honest. We're singing a song that said, in the first song, didn't it say something about a wretch? Hmm? A wretch like me. I won't have you answer, but do you really think that you're a wretch? Hmm. Do I really think that I'm a wretch? It's just words on a screen. A lot of times we're in denial. We don't honestly look at ourselves. That's another thing I'm learning from the recovery community. Huge honesty, right? What does AA say about honesty, huh? Yes, to say that again, Sean. Rigorous honesty. When was the last time you and I were rigorous in our honesty? Here's a definition of denial. Celebrate Recovery has this definition of denial, if you want to write it down. Denial, a self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. A self-protecting behavior that keeps us from honestly facing the truth. The tragedy is that many of us think that we're big. We measure ourselves by the world's standards, by money, by authority, by power, by possessions, by popularity. We think that we have everything, but we really have nothing. And if we're honest, we judge others that are different than us. We look at them differently. We treat them differently. And the church has done this sadly for thousands of years. We treat men and women of color that are different than us. We say that we don't want to be bigoted or racist, but we all struggle with it till we fully come to grasp and say, I'm turning this over, help me, and then sit with men and women of color and learn from them so that we truly don't act that way. We've judged the LBGTQ community over and over again instead of walking with men and women and loving and learning from one another. We tend to feel that we're not like Zacchaeus, but we really are. All of us are in the company of sinners. All of us are. And we all need Jesus more ways than we think, even if we've been walking with him for decades. So when Jesus said... <laughs> Zacchaeus, I must stay in your house today. <laughs> Did you know his response? He quickly came down the tree. He quickly came down that tree. <laughs> came down that tree as fast as he could. Because Jesus invited him to his house. He wasn't a nervous wreck. Did you notice that? We'd be a nervous wreck. He wasn't a nervous wreck. He's far from God. He didn't give a rip about God. He didn't go to synagogue. He didn't faithfully go to Hillcrest every week. You get my point? He didn't give a rip about anything church-wise. And he quickly came down. <laughs> quickly came down. But did you notice what all the synagogue-going people and church people all felt? Did you see that, Vicky? They what? 
grumbled and complained. That translation there was a poor translation in the NIV. It says they muttered. That's what I think of muttering, right? Right? Yeah, what? Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's totally right. They didn't mutter. They grumbled. He welcomes sinners and he eats them. Notorious sinners, as one translation said. Listen to this. One of the translations of that word grumbling or murmured is this low muttering and complaining that goes through, that goes on individually and then through a crowd. Listen, when people are complaining. Isn't that amazing? That that grumbling and complaining starts with one person to another, to another, to another, and it goes throughout the whole crowd when people are complaining. I'm thankful at Hillcrest coming to church. We don't have parking lot conversations, do we? Oh. <laughs> now, you know what parking lot conversations I'm talking about, right, Ed? Good parking lot conversations are... Mm, did you see what Pastor Bill did today? Yep. You know, when Patrick has, maybe he should wear long sleeve shirts because we see all his tattoos all the time. You know, I don't know. Joel, did you see Joel's new haircut? Yep, didn't like that, what he had on today either. Yeah, huh? That's why you were leaving out in the middle of my sermon here, Steve? Okay, you're forgiven. There you go. That's okay. I am thankful uh, for our pastor that under her leadership, she reminds us if we have something, just go to the person, right? We're not going to murmur and grumble and complain. We're going to just talk about it. This is what happened. And this is what happens in churches today that kills us as they grumble and complain. So they went to the house, and Jesus had a meal with a notorious sinner. God was doing something in Zacchaeus' life, so Jesus joined in. Henry Blackaby said, uh, always have eyes and watch. He was a writer and author. He said, watch, God's at work all the time. And then my translation, jump in and join what he's doing. That's what Jesus did. My translation is what happened. Jesus was walking along the road. He saw this man up in a tree and started laughing to himself and said, my daddy must be tugging at his heart. My daddy must be tugging at his heart. So Jesus jumped in and joined what his father was already doing. Amen. Hey, Zacchaeus, you come down for I must stay at your house today. When was the last time that you felt a tugging in your heart and saw God do something and nudge you and then you jumped in? Too many times we see stuff and don't jump in and join. And we miss the moment. That's okay. He's going to give you another moment, right? Be ready for another moment. Finally, Zacchaeus stood up, stood up. That act of standing up is an act of repentance. You with me? 
Because they're all, remember, they're all reclining. They're all laying down at the table, right? He stood up. Now they could all see him because he's about this big, right? And he said, behold, I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and I've defrauded anyone of anything. I will give them back four times as much. As much. There's no doubt that Zacchaeus was chained, that uh, overcharged people. You could tell it. He cheated them. He'll give them back four times as much. Four times as much. Old Testament law, some scholars say uh, in Leviticus and Numbers that you're to repay back two times as much. There's a verse in Numbers 5 that says you're to give the original amount and one-fifth. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give four times as much. Ah, he went over and above. That's truly making amends, right? Everyone, that's making amends. I'm going over and above and giving more. His actions show true, true repentance and forgiveness. It was a change of heart, will, and mind. And Jesus' response, today's salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus wasn't saved or changed because he promised to give back money. He experienced salvation and new life because he responded by faith to Jesus. He responded by faith to Jesus and trusted and believed in Jesus and his actions followed. That's why Jesus called him a true son of Abraham, meaning a child of faith. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. It's lest any one of us should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And then Jesus ends. This is, by the way, circled in your Bibles or make a note. This is the key verse of the whole Gospel of Luke. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save those of us who are lost. That's Jesus. My mom was born in 1931 and my dad was born in 1932. They met later in life. When they fell in love and talked about getting married, my mom was Italian Roman Catholic. Her mom and dad were born in Italy. My dad was Hungarian. His parents were born in Hungary. My dad attended a free Hungarian Reformed church. You hear the word reformed because they came out of the Reformation. You with me? They were Protestant Hungarians that had nothing to do with the Catholic church. You with me? And my mother was Italian Roman Catholic. They dated and fell in love and uh, decided to get married. And my mom did this in the late 50s, which was unheard of, because this was pre the change within the Catholic Church. She said to my dad, if we promise to get married in my church, I promise to baptize and raise the kids Protestant. Well, basically, she had a lie to the priest. You with me? Right? This is 1956, 57, I think married in 58. You with me? Um... My grandfather, I remember him telling stories. He said how much he loved my mom, but he was just a mess because he had never stepped foot in a Catholic church in his entire life. Aren't you so glad that we're not like that today? Amen. Mm. There are sisters and brothers. Thought he was going to die and go to hell. That's what was taught. Oh, gosh, it's a whole other sermon what all the things that were taught, right? But he went. My mom kept the promise. So every Sunday she took, took me to my dad's church. My dad never came. Remember what I told you about my dad? Occasionally then I would go to mass with my mom, so I got the best of both worlds. 
I grew up doing both. When I started then attending an evangelical free church invited by my aunt and uncle and heard about Jesus more than just hearing words and learning stuff in Sunday school, that Jesus became real to me. Kept telling my mom and dad about it. It was an evangelical free church, which had kissing cousins to us in the covenant. And I started going there and kept inviting my mom to come and kept telling her about Jesus. And she said, that's good for you. Isn't that interesting? You evangelicals. Yeah. For my mom, as a good Christian Catholic, giving and caring for the poor, but Jesus was a name just like many within the Catholic and Protestant church, just a name. For 15 years, I kept living and telling mom about this. And mom just listened. Dad didn't care. When I became pastor at the Evangelical Free Church in Bellingham, Washington, I was the minister of music and I did a musical. Back then we called them cantatas. You remember that? Ooh, what a term. Big musicals, and my mom, I'm Italian, firstborn, she's going to fly out and see me. She did. And her experience of coming out the plane, one of the windows popped out of the plane. Yeah. Made it okay. It was Palm Sunday, uh, March 31st, 1988. Mom came, heard the musical. The gospel and good news of Jesus was presented again. That afternoon, Mom was on the couch, and we were sitting and talking, and then she said this to me. You know, Billy, I've been thinking. I've lived a good life my whole life caring for others. I said, yes, you have, Mom. She says, I've lived a godly life, but it's with a small g. I want to live a godly life with a capital G and have Jesus be the center of my life. I've never heard that before and never heard it since. I said, that's it, Mom. Then I happened to look up. It was like quarter to six. Back then we had Sunday night services. And I said, Mom, hold that thought. <laughs> she said, I'm not going anywhere. I ran the church. We were meeting in a warehouse where chairs and Lisa was sitting right up front here. I ran up to Lisa and I said, Mom's ready. And she said, ready for what? I said, she's ready to give her life to Jesus. So my wife went back. Remember, an Italian daughter-in-law. You know how that goes. And sat with my mom. And my mom surrendered her life and committed her life and said yes to Jesus. I waited and waited that service. And at the end, I led the last song. And I looked, my wife was standing in the back. And when the pastor came up and gave the benediction, I ran in the back. She gave me a big hug. Jesus was seeking after my mom for years and years. And on that day, my mom found Jesus. But he was there all along. Because he wasn't forcing his way. How about you? Where are you? Jesus knows all about you and loves you just the way you are. And he freely forgives us of our sins. And he waits for us to say, here, I give my life to you, Jesus. Be my Savior and my Lord. By the way,
Zacchaeus in Hebrew means righteous one. Do you think Zacchaeus ever felt righteous? But on that day, righteous one, righteous one, you come down, for I must stay in your home today. For the first time, Zacchaeus felt righteous because he met Jesus. How about you? Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, that you truly love us. That when we struggle with things or question you and question it, you're patient with us. You're kind and loving. Forgive us, forgive us, forgive the church when we've not acted that way, have acted in ways that have made people run away and want nothing to do with Christianity and nothing to do with you. Thank you for the changes and that we are making as we always want to be open what you have for us and what you do for us. Lord, some of us in this room have walked and known you for many years. And yet at times we haven't felt that we're a wretch or part of the company of sinners. Forgive us, Lord. We all are. Thank you for new life. And thank you, God, that you call us to be your hands and feet so that people will see you, Jesus. For some of us here today, we're questioning what Christianity is all about. Thank you that you're moving and working in all of our lives and you're drawing us to yourself and you're waiting for us. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us, you know us, and you love us just like you did with Zacchaeus. So, Lord, even right now, if we pray and cry out to you and say, Jesus, here I am. I believe in you. I don't understand fully everything about Christianity or the Bible, but I do believe in you. Here are my sins. Forgive me. You know them all. Thank you for dying on the cross to give me new life. I choose this day to take a step. Come and be my savior, my forgiver. Come and lead my life. I give it to you. I take that step today. Thank you, Lord, that you hear a simple prayer of faith like that. And lives are slowly changed as we walk on this new journey together. As people around this room are praying right now, if you prayed that prayer or if you have questions what it means to take that step to follow Jesus, will you look up at me or just put your hand like this so that I see that you prayed that prayer and say, yes, Jesus, I desire and want to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us and loving us and welcoming us. Help me and help us to be more welcoming and more loving, just like you, just like Zacchaeus. For your sake, Jesus, for our neighbor's good, and all of God's children said, amen and amen. Will you stand with me?